Turn off the lights. Lock your doors. It's the dead of night. <laughs> Meet Eric Ryder. He has a face you'll never forget. Years ago, Eric was horribly disfigured in an accident. These days, he doesn't like to go out in public. But tonight, that will all change. Because Eric is going to receive a special gift from the dead of night. I guess I've always been a night person. I work third shift at one of those express shipping companies, the kind that say they'll deliver your package overnight guaranteed. So I sleep all day and work at night. Most guys bitch and moan about the hours, but I don't mind. I'm so used to it by now I keep the same schedule even on my days off. I don't like going out during the day much anyways. When people see me walking down the street, they tend to go the other way. And then there are the ones who stare. You see, I haven't always looked like a monster. I used to drive truck, but now I work in the loading dock. That's because five years ago, I was in an accident. A bad one. I was 30 miles outside of Milwaukee. It was raining hard that night and the roads were slick. I just lost control of the wheel and the truck jackknifed. And that's the last thing I remember before waking up in the hospital three days later. They tell me my seatbelt snapped when I hit that telephone pole. Honestly, I'm not even sure I was wearing the damn thing. In any case, I was thrown face first through the windshield. I broke both legs, cracked a handful of ribs, and got 21 shards of glass stuck in my face. I was in surgery for two and a half hours. When I woke up, my entire head was wrapped in bandages, and it hurt like a son of a bitch, too. Felt like somebody was pricking my face with thousands of tiny needles. I probably would have went insane if it hadn't been for the morphine. I've come to accept my scars now, but believe me, it wasn't easy. After I got out of the hospital, I removed all the mirrors from my house and destroyed every picture of me from before the accident. My shrink told me that this is normal behavior, but I didn't think I'd ever feel normal again. Like I said before, I work in the loading dock now. I like it, I really do. Sure, some nights I feel like I've been run over by a train, but I haven't been behind the wheel of a truck since the accident. That is, until tonight. I was taking a break, having a cigarette in the alley behind the warehouse when... Eric! Eric! Hey, Frankie, you okay? I need your help. Frankie works in the front office. She's a cute girl, but has some self-esteem issues. Maybe that's why we get along so well. She's also the only person I know who doesn't seem to notice my scars. What's going on? I'm in a real jam. We're short one driver tonight, and I just got a call for special delivery from one of our biggest customers. Yeah, that's rough. If I lose this account, they're gonna fire me! No, they're not. Yes, they are! Douglas already gave me a warning! Dale Douglas is Frankie's supervisor, and a first-class jerk. Frankie won't sleep with him, so he's been trying to find a reason to get rid of her for a while now. Please, Eric! You know I wouldn't ask you this if it wasn't an emergency. I'm sorry, Frankie, but I can't. Why don't you ask one of the other guys? 
because you're the only one who has experience. And I know I can count on you. It looked like she was going to start crying. And if there's one thing I can't stand, it's seeing a pretty girl cry. So I said yes. And then Frankie did something I never expected. She kissed me. It was the first time anyone's kissed me since the accident. What was that for? Just something I've always wanted to do. So I followed Frankie back to the office. She gave me the pickup information and the keys to one of the trucks. Then I made my way out to the truck lot, found my ride, and climbed into the cab. The inside seemed stuffy. I could hardly breathe, so I rolled down the window. As I put the key into the ignition, my heart started beating so fast I thought it was going to burst right out of my chest. I shut my eyes and counted to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six. You there, Eric? Hearing Frankie's voice in the CB just then saved me from a full-blown panic attack. Eric, come, come in if you're there. Yeah, I'm here. You okay? Yeah, I am now. I forgot to tell you something about this pickup. Like I said before, Richard Thorne is one of our biggest customers, but he's a bit odd. What do you mean, odd? Well, he's a total recluse. Nobody's seen him in years. What does he do? He manufactures coffins. Sorry I asked. Thorne has this weirdo lawyer handle all of his business. The strange thing is they only do shipments at night. Look, I guess what I'm trying to say is be careful. Okay. Thanks again, Eric. I really owe you one. Well, maybe later I'll let you take me out for a drink. <laughs> You've got yourself a deal. And with that, I started the truck and hit the road. Thorne's office is located in an old warehouse downtown. It's not the safest area to be at 11.30 at night, that's for sure. But I found the address and parked in the alley behind the building. And I grabbed my hand dolly and headed over to the door marked employees only. As I got closer, I noticed another sign on the door, just below the first one. It said, no trespassing, enter at your own risk. I don't know why, but that sign gave me a serious case of the heebie-jeebies. And before I could even knock, the door flew open. We've been expecting you. The man standing before me was seven feet tall. His head was completely shaved, and he wore a charcoal black suit. He looked like, well, to be honest with you, he looked like an undertaker. Uh, are uh, you Mr. Thorne? I'm Malcolm Gilroy, Mr. Thorne's personal liaison. Oh, right. Please, come in. Um, okay. Neither one of us said a word as I followed Thorne's lawyer down a long, dark corridor. When we entered the warehouse, I noticed that all the lights were turned off. But there were candles burning everywhere. Must have been a hundred of them at least. What's the matter? Forget to pay your electric bill? Mr. Thorne is very... Old-fashioned. You don't say. Here we are. We stopped in front of a single wooden crate, approximately six feet long and two and a half feet wide. The word fragile was stamped on each side. Gilroy handed me the shipping documents. I think you will find everything is in order. Okay, good. So, uh, you get a lot of orders for coffins in the middle of the night? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Huh. Will you need assistance loading the package into your truck? Ah, uh, I think I can handle it. In fact, the crate was surprisingly light. I picked it up, set it on the dolly, and wheeled it out to the truck. Gilroy followed me to the door and watched me as I loaded it into the back. <clears throat> when I was finished, I gave Gilroy a quick two-fingered salute. Have a good night. 
And a good night to you, sir. <laughs> and then, he disappeared into the darkness, and the warehouse door seemed to close by itself. That did it. I was officially creeped out. I quickly programmed a delivery location into the truck's GPS and took off. An hour later, I was out of the city and heading down Route 12. There were no streetlights, just cow pastures and cornfields on both sides of the highway. That's when I started to hear the noises coming from the back of the truck. Huh? For a split second, I lost control of the wheel and swerved into the other lane. Thankfully, there were no cars coming, and I was able to regain control before I hit something. I immediately pulled over to the side of the road. Now, driving truck is a lonely job, and your mind can play some nasty tricks on you. So I just sat there, listening to the night. A minute passed, then another. And just as I was about to chalk the whole thing up to an overactive imagination, the sound came again. There was no question about it. The sounds were definitely coming from the back of the truck. I looked around and found a flashlight under the seat. I was hoping for a gun or a knife. Hell, I'd even take a friggin' slingshot. But I wasn't so lucky. As I walked to the back, I couldn't help but notice that I really was in the middle of nowhere. Up the roadways, I saw an old farmhouse at the end of a long, dirt driveway. The windows were boarded up, and the place looked completely abandoned. I waited, listened at the door, but the noises had stopped. My hands were sweaty, and I fumbled with the latch. Finally, I got the door unlocked, and I pushed it open. The cargo hold was pitch black, and I shined the flashlight on the crate. What the? It looked as if the lid had been torn off. But by what? My instincts were telling me to run, but my curiosity got the better of me. I climbed into the trailer and walked slowly over to the crate. I pointed the flashlight inside and saw... Nothing. The box was empty. All of a sudden I heard something breathing behind me. I spun around and came face to face with a monster. It resembled a man in shape and size only. Its hairless, pale skin seemed to glow in the dark as its black, beady eyes stared down at me. And its teeth, a pair of long, jagged fangs protruded from its gaping maw. I ran for the door, but the creature grabbed me, its claws tearing into my flesh. I tried hitting it with the flashlight, but the thing knocked it right out of my hand. It rolled across the floor and stopped in front of the back wall. The light created a weird funhouse effect inside the enclosed space. The monster pulled me close, and I could smell its hot, putrid breath on my face. It suddenly lunged at me, biting my neck. I felt something warm and wet flow down the front of my shirt, and it took me a second to realize that it was blood. My blood. At that moment, I knew I was going to die. As the thing fed on me, I felt weaker and weaker. But I reached down and grabbed a splintered piece of wood from the broken crate. Gripping it in my hand with the last shred of strength I had left, I thrust the sharpened end into the beast's chest. It finally let me go, and I crumpled to the floor. The thing tried to pull the stake out, but its fingers turned to jelly. I watched as it melted into a pool of sludge on the floor. 
and then everything went black. I woke up about an hour later. I could barely move, so I just laid there for a few minutes. I felt weak, and my head throbbed, but I was still alive. I tried to sit up, but I instantly doubled over in agonizing pain. Felt like my stomach was being held in a vice, and somebody was turning the handle tighter and tighter. I crawled across the cargo hold on my hands and knees. I suddenly felt something wet and sticky on the cold metal floor. It was a puddle of blood. And before I realized what I was doing, I began to lap it up with my tongue, like a kitten with a saucer of milk. And even as I was sickened by my own depravity, I started to feel better, stronger. In fact, by the time I was finished, I felt incredible. I got up on my own two feet and ran outside. The first thing I did was get back into the cab, grab the CB, and call Frankie. Frankie, this is Eric. Please come in. As I waited for an answer, I glanced at my reflection in the rearview mirror. <gasps> at first, I didn't believe it. Even now, it seems too surreal to be true. My scars, the ones I've lived with for the past five years, were gone. Not even a blemish, except for two puncture marks on my neck. Hey, Eric, this is Frankie. Are you okay? I opened my mouth, but nothing came out. All I could do was stare at those bite marks. Eric, come in if you're there. I finally brought the CB to my mouth and answered. Hey, Frankie, I'm right here. Oh, thank goodness. I was getting worried. We haven't heard from you in over an hour. Did you make the delivery? Yeah, I guess you could say I did. You sure everything's all right? Yes, it's just been a weird night. Well, maybe you can tell me all about it over that drink I promised you earlier. A drink? That's right. Okay, it's a date. Good. I can't wait. Owen, Frankie? Yeah? Have I got a surprise for you. The sun will be up soon, but I think I'll make it back in time to see Frankie. I wonder how she's gonna react when she sees my face. It doesn't matter. I can feel myself changing, the hunger growing inside me. Whatever it is I'm becoming, it's better than what I was. Sure. It's going to be a bit of an adjustment, but like I said before, I've always been a night person. <laughs> Tune in next time for another blood-curdling tale, guaranteed to keep you awake in the dead of night. <laughs>